All right, we're back for uh, another edition of the uh, Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. I guess this is technically week five uh, for the uh, for the podcast. Uh, Seahawks get it done the last couple of weeks and scratch and claw their way back to two and two, but now on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, th- this podcast would not work if it were just me talking to you. That's why we re- welcome and bring in the other half of this Pacocta show, uh, Brian Nemhauser, hawkblogger.com, with us on the phone. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. A little bit nervous now for Sunday with the news that Marshawn Lynch is out. And we'll chat about that in a second. But uh, I think as is kind of protocol on this uh, podcast, let's go back and talk about what we saw against the Lions on uh, on Monday night. Because uh, you'll take the win, but boy, oh boy, at times uh, there were certain aspects of that football team that were ugly. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was a pretty big step backwards for the offense. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I talked about it heading into that game. That's a Lions team that doesn't even have a, a very good pass rush. And uh, the Seahawks continue to make teams with poor pass rushes look uh, fantastic. Um, curiously, you know, the team with the number one sack percentage in the NFL, mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers. Wow. And they couldn't touch Russell Wilson at home. Yeah. So it's a little weird, but uh, yeah, it was it was a frustrating game. It was a game that you know the Seahawks are very very fortunate to come away with the win, and the fact that we're saying that speaks volumes about where this team is. No, there's no doubt about it. And obviously, we can spend some time talking about the defense in a second. But uh, let, let's let's go back to the offense uh, Wednesday. I, I don't know how many press conferences I've been to a Pete Carroll where there was one just kind of obvious topic about a certain position group, and that was the offensive line on Wednesday. I don't know if you heard it, but I went in there okay. after the press conference was over and talked to four of the five starting offensive linemen. I uh, got different reactions on different things from from different guys, but I'm I'm Sounds start like the game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm starting <laughs> to sense a little bit from Pete Carroll. Uh, that they're starting to maybe lose a little bit of patience with this group. And I wonder if you feel like that as well. Oh, I, I think they already have for sure. I think, um, you know, I, I, they're, they have, they're pretty predictable with this kind of situation. And I think if you even go back all the way to Russell Wilson's rookie year um, and the huge decision they made to, to start Russell Wilson, uh, it was a bit of a gamble um, in a lot of ways to make that call. It was certainly controversial. And um, after four games, um, Wilson, they were two and two. Wilson had thrown a ton of interceptions um, against St. Louis. And there was a lot of talk about, yeah, you got an expensive quarterback sitting there. You're going to let him sit. And, you know, Wilson went and and did it in Carolina. And I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a similar situation here where, like, they've had a couple weeks of real shaky performance. And if, if it doesn't work out, then I, I think you're going to potentially see some changes. I wrote this week, uh, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, nobody's done probably more trades of players in season than John Schneider over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some guards out on the market that are good players that are in the last year of their deals playing for bad teams. Um, so, you know, I think it's that desperate. I think they're that far away from being a good line. Yeah. I hope that I'm proven wrong this week and they show some new new promise. Well, and uh, let's let's talk about some of those names out there because the names of guys here, uh, Alvin Bailey, Patrick Lewis, et cetera, Christian Sicoli, Mark Glowinski, Terry Poole, 
th- those names don't exactly get you fired up, to be honest with you. You know, as far as uh, going uh, back to your own locker room and making some changes, I guess you could move Justin Britt back over to right tackle, but I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, who, who are the names of guys out there that you've kind of got your eye on? Well, um, I think uh, um, on the guard side, I looked at guards and at centers, and um, on the guard side, I think you've got a guy, uh, Brandon Brooks, um, in Houston, um, you know, is, is a, a very good uh, guard. Alex Boone in, in San Francisco on the last year of his deal. Uh, Manny Ramirez in Detroit, who we wow. just saw. We know last, that name, yeah. Last year of his deal. Um, Zane Beatles in Jacksonville. Uh, is a guy that's on a longer-term deal, but a guy that the Seahawks have been rumored to be interested in when he was a free agent. Um, Logan Mankins in Tampa Bay has not been playing well, um, but again, last year of his deal. I mean, there, there's some quality players there that, you know, and a guy like Boone or Brooks, and, you know, there's, there could be guys that are, are a look-see, you know, like uh, you get them for this year, you decide yeah. maybe you want to spend money there instead of somewhere else. Yeah, it would be unfortunate if they had to give up draft capital now to get those guys, but you're talking about trying to salvage a season. I, I don't know if it's code red to a point where they would go out and do something like that, but it could be after this weekend against Cincinnati. And I just, you know, look, I mean, for me, the whole thing with the offensive line, people talk about they're not investing enough in the offensive line. Well, they've They've committed 20% of their draft capital in six years to the offensive line. Now, I don't know if that's enough, and that includes J.R. Sweezy, who was drafted as a defensive lineman, by the way. Six of those guys are here. Five of them are gone. The only guy in the offensive line right now making any money is Russell Okung. Uh, you got a second rounder. Uh, you've got, what, two undrafted guys and a seventh rounder in J.R. Sweezy on your offensive line right now. So I asked this question on Twitter, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Have they committed enough to the offensive line? Have they invested enough in draft picks, or have they just gone after the wrong guys? Oh, they definitely invested enough. I, I mean, I, I'm of the belief that um, you build from the line, and so I, I like I liked it when the 49ers years ago spent two first round picks on Upati and on um, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, I'm all for that. Like create real strength on that line and make those guys affordable for a long period of time. Um, the Seahawks haven't really done that, or at least they, when they've done that, you know, James Carpenter wasn't exactly a home run. Um, and by the way, you know, they picked him instead of Andy Dalton <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that the conversation. Right. So that's an interesting one. But, um, to me, the issue is not whether they spent enough on it. The issue is, I think they've given the keys to the car to Tom Cable, yeah. and I think you know John Schneider drafts to what his coaches want um, and the type of players, and I think Tom Cable has done a not so great job of like I mean I think he finds guys that are they're not even diamonds in the rough they're like a, a penny in the rough <laughs> like you know like to work that hard to get a guy that's just mediocre or below average yeah yeah i think he's great at that but but where are the stars i, I don't think we've seen those i think the two best seahawks linemen have been max unger and russell okung and neither one of those were were cable yeah. guys if i so. were to defend cable for a second i i would say that they haven't exactly given him the biggest budget in the world to work with uh, because of all the other positions they've invested heavily in. Uh, and, yeah, they could have drafted guys higher. They could have taken more 
uh, you know, of a mainstream type of player and not messing around with converting defensive linemen. I, I also do think, and again, maybe it's all about this week, and if it's a disaster, they got no choice but to make changes for next Sunday, that it's too early to close the book on this group. And my God, I mean, you went down this road this far with this group. Does it really make sense to jump off the wagon right now unless you just feel like you're about to start getting people killed? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I tend to be um, a little bit out in front. Like, I will, you know, make a decision a little bit earlier than, than the average person. And so um, knowing that about myself, you're probably right. Like, I think they're, they're – I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of this. I think that they, they need to give them a little bit more time. I think that they obviously are going to give them more time. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, how long do you wait? I mean, this is the number one ranked special teams in the NFL. They're essentially the number two ranked defense, depending on how you want to look at it. Yep. And they're a mess on offense. They've right. got great weapons. They've got a good quarterback. They've got, you know, uh, you know, good running backs. They've got good, good options there. They've got one thing that is a true weakness and, Look, Softy, they haven't had a true weakness since when? 2010? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, this, is, this is not just below average. This is one of the worst units in the NFL right now. No doubt. I mean, it's one of the bottom uh, three pass-blocking units and bottom three run-blocking units in the National Football League. Uh, you know, and like I said in the locker room on Wednesday, you talk to some of these players and they all tell you, well, it's, uh, it's a communication, it's a chemistry thing. And then Cable comes out and says, oh, it's not about communication. It's about just winning our one-on-one block. So I, I was getting some mixed messages from the guys in the locker room versus what I was hearing from Tom Cable. Maybe it's tougher for a player to admit that I'm just getting whipped one-on-one the way Jason Jones did to Justin Britt in that Lion game on Monday night. Um, but no matter what the problem is, uh, they got to fix it because now Marshawn's not available. Who knows about Fred Jackson for the game on Sunday and they're playing a pretty damn good defense in, in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know, man. This uh, this feels like kind of a fork-on-the-road type game for the Seahawks. If they lose it, they're not done. But whatever wiggle room they had left uh, to kind of maybe bank on before the bye would be gone if they dropped this game on Sunday. Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, I, I look at this game, and before the season I predicted a loss in this game. Uh, you know, I, I had the Seahawks 3-2 and two coming out of this 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 week um there's a big difference between two and three and three and two though not that big of a i think it's a pretty big difference absolutely because you got three games before the bye two of them at home then you come back you got three more uh after the bye all of them at home i mean you go two and three and you got to win three in a row to get to five and three otherwise you're sitting there at four and four and probably have to reel off seven of eight to get to 11 wins and feel really good about making the playoffs yeah it's too much math for me dave that's why Uh, i did it for you (laughs) no I, I mean, I think that it is, um, it is. It certainly would be fantastic to walk out of there with a victory, but I think that expecting one is, is you know, is, is expecting a lot. I, I think I wrote this morning that this game reminds me a lot of the game in 2013 when they walked into Houston. They walked into Houston with Russell Kung missing. With with uh, at that time it was Brennan Giacomini was out, yep. and without Max Unger, they had Lemuel at center. They had uh, Michael Bowie at right tackle, and they had Paul McQuiston at left tackle. And they're going against J.J. Watt and and a very good team. And and they needed the defense to play a great game that day. And what happened? 
the the Texans came out and rolled them in the first half. It was twenty to three. Um, Russell Wilson was three of five for thirty yards or something like that in the first half of that game. At the end of the third quarter, he he was you know he had six completions. You know like that offense was a disaster, and yet they ended up winning in the most you know improbable victory and comebacks you know other than maybe the NFC Championship game. Right. So, but what was the big key though in that game? They were also lucky to be facing a quarterback that day and Matt Schaub, who was in love with the pick six. You remember uh, that? I do remember that. I mean, he had thrown like one a week up until that point. That he had had he had had one the previous week. It was certainly an issue, and um, he might have thrown a couple the previous previous week. But they were two and one, yeah. and they were they were still uh, a real team then. They were a force to be reckoned with, and. You know, Schaub was never heard from again after that game, and Kubiak was done as a coach. They literally, I don't know if you remember this, they didn't win another game that season mm. after that game. Crazy. So, uh, you know, I think it's that level of underdog in this situation. I'm actually really perplexed in a good way about how Vegas has the Seahawks as only, you know, they opened it as a one-point underdog, and now they're three. Mm-hmm. This feels like it should be a six or a seven-point underdog kind of situation. I don't see where the Seahawks block a Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlop, and um, you know Michael Johnson. Ugh. So, like, I, I think the offense is going to have a lot of trouble functioning. Yeah. The defense has to be pretty perfect, which I think they have a chance to be. Um, and the Seahawks are going to need some breaks, but I don't think in just a line them up and play the game that I would expect the Seahawks to win this game more times than not. Yeah, you just made me a little nauseous, by the way, talking about Dunlap and Atkins. I mean, literally just puked in my mouth <laughs> thinking about thinking about That's those every guys. every week when I talk to you. That's yeah, you're there. right. Uh, I, I usually get that feeling before I call you as well. <laughs> um, but what about the defense? Uh, number two overall in the NFL right now. Uh, they're they're playing great defense. I don't I don't like, though, letting teams back in the game in the fourth quarter and giving them a chance to win. You know, I'd like to see the Hawks slam the door and not give them any life. And it's happened now in what, four of the last six games and almost happened in a fifth on Monday night without that play from, from Cam Chancellor. But this, this Sunday, a little bit different than Monday and that going into the game with the Lions, we talked about how the Lions don't take a lot of shots downfield. The Bengals do. I mean, Andy Dalton is the exact opposite right now of Matt Stafford. I think going into the game last weekend, uh, what, uh, Stafford had taken like four shots of 20 yards or more. Dalton had taken 20, you know, yep. five times that going into this game. So this is a different animal from last weekend. It absolutely is. And I think that's one of the Seahawks' biggest advantages heading into this game. Um, you know, they are built to take away that kind of play. They're built to force a team to really check down. And, um, you know, they, the most encouraging part of that game last week was seeing how disciplined the Seahawks defense was. Nobody was out of position. Um, yes, the, the Lions on the very, very last drive put together an impressive drive and made some plays. And, you know, good on them. Like, they, they did that. They earned it. Those were not easy plays. They're not blown coverages. They just they worked their way down the field. That, that will happen um, with pro teams. But the, I think the Bengals are going to run into the toughest defense they've played. There's no other defense they've played this year that comes close to the Seahawks defense. And I think that, you know, overall, the Seahawks as an um, opponent are tougher than anything the Bengals have played so far. Yeah. So, you know, I do think the defense is in good shape. I, I wish they could get a little bit more 
numbers in the pass rush. Um, you know, zero sacks last week is frustrating. I don't think they had many chances to get sacks based mm-hmm. on how quickly Stafford was throwing the ball. You know what's funny about that, by the way? I talked to Travis Jones yesterday, and he agreed that I think their best pass rush game of the year so far has been the Packer game. Yeah. And they didn't get anything on Rodgers, but they made a move. I mean, they actually, right now, the Seahawks pass rush, uh, PFF has them ranked as the second best pass rush in the NFL. Did you know yeah, that? No. It, it, no doubt about it. I, I've, I'm not disappointed in the pass rush. I, I just wish, I wish they could get a couple sacks to affect the game a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I think those are just those are chances for turnovers. I think it's it just feeds the defense yeah. the way a Cam Chancellor hit does. So, right. you know, Andy Dalton doesn't get sacked much twice um, in four games. Yeah, but if he's gonna if he's gonna be throwing downfield and he's gonna not see the guys open that he wants to. You know, maybe the Seahawks get to him. Maybe they rattle the the redhead, and and we see what happens. Yeah. How about no Lynch on Sunday? You know, uh, I'm I'm not shaken by that, frankly. I know that that wow. I, I think everybody, uh, um, you know, for good reason, really values Marshawn, and I, I do as well. But um, I don't think that was going to be the thing that either won or lost this game. Um, I think you know, either the Seahawks. I think Thomas Rawls, I told you last week, I think Thomas Rawls will get 70% of the yards that Lynch will in any given opportunity. I still feel that way. Um, And I I think as long as he's running hard and they're giving him some holes to hit, they'll be fine. If they're not blocking well, look, Marshawn didn't do much against Chicago either. So, you know, even when he was in. So, um, yeah, I I don't think that's going to be the thing that makes or break him. All right, man. Good stuff. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk next week. Let's uh, see if they can pull it off and get it done this Sunday versus the uh, the Bungles. It'd be a huge, huge win for them to pull this off on Wouldn't Sunday. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, it'd be gigantic to come home three and two against Carolina. All right, boss. We'll talk in a week. All right, thanks, Dave. See you, man. Brian Nemhauser, hawkblogger.com on Twitter at hawkblogger. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, well, screw you because it's all free. We'll talk next week. See ya.